Hey, welcome to episode 25 of the Draft Champion Podcast. I'm here with uh, Craig, and we've got a special guest today, Scott Bogman. Of um, You can find him at Bogman Sports on Twitter. Um, but Scott, how are you doing? I'm a big fan of, big fan of your, your podcast with the Welsh. Um, listen to all, basically every episode. Um, you're also, you also have a website, in this league.com. You work, um, you work with Fantrax, FNTSY Radio. You have a Patreon. So tell us all about that. Plug your shit. Let's go. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we have uh, we've been doing uh, this the show. We have all kinds of different uh, sports that we cover: basketball, football, baseball. The Welsh, of course, does prospect one for minor league baseball. I do a college fantasy football show, and I do an NFL draft show as well. So we got you covered on all fronts as far as fantasy goes. You can check out our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/itlarmy. Uh, we do two shows a week, uh, uh, unless it's Hell Week, like we did last week where we did five episodes last week. So I'm still trying to recover from that. So I slept in so hard today, I almost missed my slow draft picks in a couple drafts. So I told you guys that story before I woke up. One of my guys texted me, and he said, you have six minutes left to pick. And then it was two minutes left to you, pick you by chose the time wisely. I got there. Yeah, I took Castillo. You know, Luis Castillo It's not a bad pick. So now that I is got a, Darvish That is a great Castillo. pick. I don't, I don't even know where you're picking. In the first round, it's a great pick. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think, the the fourth or fifth, somewhere in that neighborhood. So You know you're a veteran when you can just roll out of bed and make a solid pick like that while you're still rubbing <laughs> sleep out of your eyes. <laughs> well, thank God it was early, you know what I mean, in the draft. Because if we were in round 20, I'd be like, oh, God, what do yeah, I what's, do? What's going on here? <laughs> but, so yeah, we, you, we, we've got... We've got you covered on everything over it in this league, and I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. You're one of the, one of the many big guests you've had on, uh, helping us out very immensely to um, grow the show, which is still in its infancy. Um, so you said you were saying you cover some football. Did you cover? Did you cover the combine at all? Yeah, you know I don't like the combine as hey. much as other NFL draft people do because I, I don't know. Like forty times don't seem to to really matter too much for uh positions outside of defensive back and even defensive back i mean richard sherman ran like a four five six but uh it, you know guys move i think what i like more about the combine is the rumors coming out of it you know that's the right. type of stuff that i like more we, we had um we had a guest on um, just the episode before this mike Masato. he's a high stakes nfbc player and he was just tearing the combine to shreds he's like i don't want to hear <laughs> anything about the combine on twitter yeah, he's like, I don't want to see guys running around in their underwear. It doesn't matter. And I sort of said, I sort of had a counterpoint. I'm like, man, if they had a combine for the MLB, all these analysts, like all of them, like I'm one of them, like all these geeky guys will be doing like the stat cast savant. They would love it. People would tune in like crazy. And he's like, fuck it. This is stupid. I don't want to see football. He's like, baseball, you you have stat cast. You don't need a combine. You don't want to see uh, Ramon Lariano throw a ball into a garbage can from center field. <laughs> But um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm just kind of wondering what what things are they going to do at the combine? Like uh, oh, for, for, for baseball, for, for baseball. Yeah. Well, well, my idea was you ha- you have a you have a ball, you put it on a tee and it's a standing um, exit velocity. So you don't have any, you, you take out the, uh, the noise from any pitching or anything like that. You just how hard can you hit it off a tee like that pure 
exit velocity. So you've oh. kind of organized this already. I feel like like you're doing that. Uh, player interviews, of course. Our must. Are you doing a wonderlick? Uh, do they need to do the wonderlick? Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like a t-ball t tryout. <laughs> a father pitch. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. have some a father pitch segment too. Uh, yeah, that sounds like fun. I don't know. The combine is fine. I I I like it. Like I said, because I like the weird interview questions. I don't know if you guys saw Trey Adams. I mean, I, I don't think it's really appropriate for any podcast, but take a look at his his interview. Our when podcast someone... is very inappropriate. You haven't listened to some of the last ones we've had with the, that Mike guy, the Mike the Mouth. So okay, so someone any, asked any, him, anything goes, man. All right, so someone asked him, uh, "What would you change about yourself if you could?" One thing, and he said, "Uh, bigger dick." That's <laughs> what he said. That was his answer. So I mean, I said, "Hey, you know what?" In Madden, he gets a one hundred and self awareness rating. So hundred <laughs> percent. So. Uh, but but yeah, I, 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 mean, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. You spin that fantasy wise, but I'm I'm thinking my my mind's whirling. But I don't know. <laughs> it means he has no confidence. So right. uh, I and I know. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> tough, tough crowd here. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just uh, biting my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't stop on my account. So right. you've heard me enough, I'm sure. So. Well, yeah, that that could, that could be a. We're, we're going to talk. We're going to get into some player debate. So, um, we'll see if that um, see if that can factor into our player debate. <laughs> so, yeah, like maybe maybe we can. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't like if we debate. Our, I think our first one's uh, Kyle Tucker versus Dylan, Dylan Carlson. Um, there's a there's a. I don't know if we can factor in dick size to break a tie on that. I don't, I don't have I don't I don't have any intel on that though. I'm, well, you I see, Kyle Tucker has big dick energy, so you know that's <laughs> I'm just making that up. I have no idea. So now you're probably right. You're probably right. Kyle Tucker has uh, Dylan Carlson beat. I don't know. Well, and you you got to think uh, Tyler O'Neill on that team has got to be making up for something with uh, with all the lifting and. <laughs> oh, all right, Craig. All right, I, Craig. I thought you were going to talk about it tight. I was like, come on, man. I'm a short guy too. That's not, uh, not crack the short guys there. I'm a short guy. I'm a short guy too. But yeah, like I don't know. I think we're getting Craig. You're you're getting off the rails. Like like this is. Yeah, this Craig. Is, way to I, take us off the rails. Geez. You know, one one comment. No, that's all right. I'll be I'll be the <laughs> punching bag on that. <laughs> all right. So um, let's get into this. Um, do you want to like we've sort of. Uh, had some informal salutations. Like one of the things that everyone asks on these podcasts is, oh, how is your TGFBI going? Well, hey, Bogman, how's your TGFBI going? Uh, it's good. I picked dead last. Uh, so I got uh, Arenado and Scherzer to start. I went with my boy Darvish in the second, Pete Alonso in the fourth, uh, followed up by Speed with Witt and Loriano. Got a couple closers in there. And we are in round 27 right now in my league. So I know there's some slow pokes going through, but we should be done in a couple days here. This is going fairly fast. For you us. Got a sweet, I got a slow poke in mind. His name is Tim Wagner. <laughs> From Timmy? Fan Track. Timmy. Yeah, Timmy runs Fan Tracks, if you guys I don't know, know that. so you, you know, uh, We already handed it to him on the last episode, but um, <laughs> when me and Mike DeMouth were talking, and he, he said he's going he's to text him and give him a piece of his mind. But you know, Tim, Tim's made some good picks. He's, um, he's, uh, he's auto-drafted um, Emilio Pagan in the 15th round, so that was good. Um, yeah, then, that'll happen. Then he auto-drafted again, so he's been, it's been good. It's been, it's been slow as well. But I'm, I would I make fun of auto drafters, but I was two minutes away from being one this morning. So, you know, 
Uh, I can't can't be the pot. So, uh, you know, Tim, uh, Tim does a lot. I know his schedule is nuts, so I'm not trying to make excuses for him. But I I would if he was in my league, I would kind of be like, yeah, I get it. That's Tim. Uh, we're just we're ripping on. It's it's all in good fun, I guess. Like co- like I'm I'm like at least forty percent joking. Like <laughs> at least I don't know. But Alonzo what? Alonzo in the fourth round. That's a good get. Like I've never I don't think I've seen him fall into the fourth. Yeah, I felt like I had to take him. You know, um, it was it was kind of crazy because I was thinking maybe I figured Pete Alonso would go in the middle of the the third and I would have a shot at maybe like you know, Torres uh, or, you know, Springer or somebody like that. And then we just had this big third round of Castillo, Sale, Corbin, Giolito, and Clevenger all went, um, you know, in five of six picks. And then right before I picked, Paddock went. So Alonzo was just kind of sitting there for me. And uh, you, t- you took Darvish, I see. I took, well, of course I took Darvish. So mm. the guy made me look like a genius for 50% of the year last year. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'm Al- in. Alonzo, I don't, I'm, I'm off on him for his price, but you got him at a way different price. Like it just almost got flipped upside down because Blackman went at the beginning of the third round and then Alonzo went at the end of the third round. So this draft already looks a little weird, but, um, Craig, you were saying you had a dip, you were like, you were struggling between Paddock and Darvish in your draft. And again, those guys went back to back. Yeah, I, I ended up taking – I was the one I had to decide on that. I took Paddock, uh, I think, just because of youth and, you know, our Darvish's age. And I think he's going to age well. But, you know, he's definitely had his, his bumps and bruises along the way. But uh, I'm with you on Darvish. I think he's going to have a, a I didn't know. Year. I didn't know that TGFBI was a keeper league, Craig. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's uh, – I, I think this is, this is more about just uh, playing – trying to play it as safe as I could early. Uh, I actually like the way, you know, I made a point on my, on my feed. I, I took, put my money where my mouth is with uh, my debate with SP streamer. He's been very vocal about uh, fading Jack Flaherty. Uh, and I, I took him, I had the ninth slot and I uh, took Lindor in the first and I came back and took Flaherty. And really my argument for the value there is not so much uh, about Flaherty as a player. It's really about, taking a solid 200 strikeout guy who who's, you know, he's got no injury history. Uh, he's on a decent team and now you've got, uh, you know, the flexibility to take that value and, and, and it ended up happening. Austin Meadows fell to me, uh, at, in the ninth pick of the third round. And I took him there, which, you know, I, th- I thought it was great value. I didn't have to go and and be, you know, digging around for a, a, a pitcher that it didn't like as much. Castillo was off the board. Uh, Snell and Sale went early in the third. And, you know, I'm not a big Giolito guy um, and some of those other guys there. So I, I was I, – I like that um, starting out my draft that way. And then I, you know, picked Paddock in the fourth, and it was a pretty solid base. So, uh, I yeah. mean, I'm just going to go ahead and blame you right now for when Flaherty tears up his elbow. Because you just said no injury history at all for him, so that's well, on you. Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 I'm, sol- I'm definitely, uh, you know, an 80 grade foot and mouth guy, so uh, I can, uh, <laughs> I will absolutely take the uh, the lashing, uh, you know, that you can give me when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope it doesn't. So I, I don't mean, have Jack too. Clarity shares, but uh, he just he goes a touch high for me. I'd rather wait and take Darvish. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm usually ending up with uh, Castillo in, in that range. Flaherty, I like Flaherty, but he usually goes, yeah, a touch high for me. I'm getting him some in some places, but yeah, Castillo seems to be my guy in that range. Yeah, and Castillo's a good pick. You know, like like we've said before, we all know that. So, so we we touched. We somebody mentioned uh, Chris Sale, and I I said on Twitter the other day, I'm like, when they said, oh, he's going to start the season on the DL because he has pneumonia. I'm like, it's a month away from the season. How do you know the pneumonia is going to uh, last a month? They got that rotation is garbage. So like, he's like their only remnant besides Erod of anyone good in that rotation. So how do you just shelf him like right away? Like I said, I don't buy it. And then, lo and behold, today, news comes out. Chris Sale, elbow, something wrong. I think um, it sounds bad. Did you hear Did you hear about that uh, news, guys? Yeah, I mean, I saw it. I, I didn't see exactly what it was. What was what were, what were was the wording of it? Was it um, I'm, like... I'm, I'm it, pulling it up now. I don't know if, Craig, you, I don't know if you have the wording, but I'm uh, pulling up. There we go. Um, yeah. You, there, there's so many, there's so many weird reports... Uh, it, so it's Sore elbow, elbow soreness what, and he's yeah. being sent for an MRI. Yes, yeah. I see that. I mean, that's it, images will be sent to James Andrews. That's never good. He, you know, that's terrible. Uh, the, the thing that I've been preaching on, uh, our show on, uh, in this league and on the fantasy black book from fan tracks is I just don't want to go into the season with a guy starting the year on the injured list. Sale was like, he was the one guy that was kind of exempt from that because it was an illness, you know, it wasn't a, an injury. Uh, but now that his uh, elbow is sore and he's going for an MRI, you know, we're going to get the word next week. I can't imagine that it's anything good. And yeah. I'm on record. I'm on record as saying, you know, I, I blasted this out. I, I, you know, I didn't get the abuse that I thought I would get, but uh, I had sale below like past the uh, top 30 starting pitchers for me. Uh, I felt the same way last year. And, and really it's the behavior of the front office in Boston. Uh, they are in retooling mode. And to me, they know that sale is damaged goods. And that is the reason for it. Uh, you know, the trading Mookie bets away, uh, you know, last year, there was, uh, you know, I wrote an article about this. I predicted that they would miss the playoffs when everybody, you know, it was a devil's advocate article. Everybody was saying it's going to be uh, Yankees and Red Sox. One will win the division. The other will win the wild card. But they, the front office wasn't making moves to push their chips in. They were, there were a ton of second basemen uh, available on the market they didn't buy. They're doing the same thing this year. They have all these holes and they're selling off already. And to me, that was uh, a sign that they are not without Chris sale. They're done. So that was, I had him pushed way down my board. All right. So let me ask you this. Have you been, or were you one of the guys that was like, he's going to get hurt eventually. And, I was, I've never owned okay. sale in my life. So to be fair, that's true. But okay. uh, that, that's not to say I didn't have him up my board. I just wasn't in love with him. Like everybody else was, you know, he's, he's kind of like a Chris Lincecum type, right? I mean, Lincecum was Tim, like Tim, Tim, Tim Lincecum. Uh, I'm sorry, Tim Lincecum. Yeah, he's like he was like Gumby. I mean, watching him pitch, you're just like, how does his body move like that? You know, and Chris Sale is kind of the same thing. He's just he's this beanpole, and that you know, and then he's got pneumonia. I mean, like that guy can lose any more weight. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it's an elbow. that's like yeah. that's serious for a skinny guy like that. Like a fat yeah. guy like me, I can handle some pneumonia. You know. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, like, uh, I, I, give me a couple of those. Yeah, hey, give me a little out, malaria too. While he's we're he's pitching it, out so. of the stretch, the uh, the hitter and the catcher won't even be able to see him standing sideways like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's been a worry for a long time, and it seems like he's finally uh, breaking down here. It sucks. I mean, I was in. I he, I felt like we were getting a deal on him and Snell, so I kind of had them in the same range. And this is just terrible news over the last couple of days for both those guys, but. It moves my guy Darvish way up board, so I like that. So uh, as far as uh, another topic that I thought with this TGFBI, I have I hate the first baseman pool this year. It's and bad. I've been pushing it down and, you know, been waiting on guys. Right, sorry about waiting. that, guys. That's all right. And, and we're talking uh, first base uh, pool this year. It is, uh, to me, you know, every guy that gets picked, I feel like is getting picked too high. And it kind of burned me in this uh, draft. I waited and waited and waited. I ended up getting CJ Crone. I still don't have a corner guy. We're in round 22. Um, you know, I just, I, to me, this is, it's tough to palate uh, holding your nose and picking some of these guys where they're going. Where did you get Cron in that one? I got him in the 15th round. And, I, you know, I had to reach a little bit to make sure I got him. Yeah, uh, I just got scooped on. Uh, I mean, Daniel Murphy was sitting out there forever, and I was about to take him, and he got picked right before I uh, was going to take him. Uh, I mean, when you're when you're in a situation where you're upset that somebody sniped you on Vado, uh, <laughs> like three picks before, you know you've waited too long. On first you day. have to you have to <laughs> wonder what year it is, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> Justin Smoke went before I could take him. So now I'm kind of just waiting to get the real, real scrap, the bottom, the dregs of the, the beer barrel. Yeah, I've I, noticed in a lot of these leagues, I've been getting like first base has been a problem, but I've uh, also got a lot of Sano, and Sano is going to have that eligibility within a week or so. So he's sort of been my fallback, and he's, he's and he's one of the guys that I think is priced right. I, I'm even taking him a little bit above above ADP. Yeah, I, I took Cron in the 17th in, in our TGFBI league. So I, I like him as a pick. I mean, he's, you know, he's in that, uh, that top 10 on, um, uh, baseball savant and all, in all the, you know, nice juicy, uh, analytics on hard hit and barrels. Um, you know, he got hurt last year and, you know, he's, I think this is a, a good situation with him on a bad team where he's going to get full run, uh, of at bat. So we'll see what happens. Right. Uh, so do you want to, do you guys want to get into some uh, player debates? Because that's, that, that's what we want to get into the meat and potatoes as an episode. And what, what we're going to look at is, um, I know, uh, in this league, you do player debates and I've listened to a lot of them, almost probably all of them. Um, but what I want to look at here is some players that are, um, well apart in ADP, um, and debate them. And some of these players that are going after the other player that they're debating against, I believe might be more valuable just Stand alone. Um, so first of all, um, uh, one of the one of the debates that you had on your podcast, uh, Bog, I mean, it was uh, Louis Robert versus uh, Victor Robles, and um, I, I I listened to that debate, and that's a debate that um, we've even talked about here. But I want to throw Liriano in there um, now. Um, I believe that ADP is Robles, then Liriano, then Robert, right? Yes. Am I am I, am I correct on that? Uh, I. Yeah, I think you still are. That that's what it was when we did the pod for sure. I think it's still. Uh, I, 
So I, I've been working off of uh, ADP that's uh, February 1st to, Feb, uh, to now. And uh, Loriano is now uh, one slot ahead of uh, Luis Robert. So uh, they, those two are close. But What's a slot? Like a one, one pick? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. Per- personally, I don't, like, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask both you guys. I, I like Lariana the best out of all. Um, th- it's tough because I don't particularly care for Robles, uh, as far as where he's been going. If they're that close, I think I am going to take Victor Robles just for, because that speed upside is crazy. Um, but, uh, I, I, when the price was further away, I was much more preferring Loriano. Um, and I think I prefer Robert over both of them as far as what's the, what's the February ADP, uh, Craig, on, on Robert versus those two guys. So Luis Robert, his average is uh, 76 and a, uh, and a third, and uh, Loriano is 74. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's right there. Robles is 59. I think when we did that pod, Robles was like 50 and then Loriano was 70 and Robert was in the 100s or something like that. So uh, bunched all together, I'd probably go Robles, Loriano, Roberts. Um, but if one of them falls, I, I to be honest, I don't care about I, I would say whoever's cheapest out of those three is probably a pretty damn good bet. Yeah, I think none of those guys are really falling. In fact, I think they're getting pushed up because speed is always getting pushed up, especially in these um, drafts with an overall prize. Um, so I never really seem to get a discount. I like, I like, I really like, I, li- I really like Robert and Lariano. I think Lariano's a nice, safe. Like I think his floor is really safe. He's one of those guys. I've said this before. He comes from the Astros. The Astros have let go tons of players that are just really, really talented because they just have too many really good players. They got rid of JD Martinez, JD Davis. Tioscar Hernandez, okay, but also Domingo Santana. Um, the list goes on with them. They just have too many good players. And um, Lariano actually had really, really good minor league stats. He was like a 2020 guy in the minors in AAA with like a 290 average. Same thing last year. Like if you extrapolate his stats, like he's bordering on like a 30-20 guy with a good batting average. Um, he was never really a, a tout. Like he, I never, I never really knew him as a prospect coming up because. Um, he was drafted, I think, in like the 14th or 16th round. He wasn't one of those like highly like um, hyped guys, but I, I don't know. I think he's really, really good. I think he has the potential to have have a lot of value in these drafts still, and I think he could be like a second or third round talent if if all goes right. So you you think 2030 is the ceiling for Loriano? 20 is a ceiling. Well, I thought. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, what what did you say? Because uh, maybe I mixed it up. I th- I said that uh, tw- like um he he was pacing for a 2030 season like almost a 20 2030 season if you look at his mi- like both his minor league stats and his major league stats from last year um if you put him like on a 600 plate appearance uh, projection so yeah. I don't th- I'm not saying that's his ceiling I'm not saying that's his um I'm not saying that's definitely not his floor his floor is lower than that in my opinion but um I think that's I think 3020 is realistic uh yeah I mean I. I, I like that. I I think it's realistic too. I just think that uh, with a guy like Victor Robles, they're putting him at the top of the lineup this year. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he steals forty bases. I think Loriano and Robert are probably both better rounded, but I think with stolen bases so hard to come by, if all these guys are kind of equal, and I hate that I'm saying this because in, in that pod, 
which was a while ago. Uh, Welsh and I crapped on Robles' stat cast. I mean, it's bad. It's bad for slap yeah. hitters, though. And, you know, uh, Robles is a guy that you could see becoming a one-trick pony. I, I'm not saying that he will be. Uh, he's still very young. He's 22 years old. So uh, there's still a lot of meat left on the bone as far as his development goes. But, like, you just see it. You see the guy with all the speed, and you can see them becoming a one-trick pony. But he had 17 bombs to pair with it last year, and that Washington lineup is still pretty decent. So yeah, I, uh, I wonder how much how much of his stats, though, and, and I'm sure there's a study on this, but, you know, he was hitting in front of the pitcher, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know he's a rookie hitting in front of the pitcher. How many times is he going up to the plate and there's, you know, with two outs and they're saying, don't strike out, get on base, you know, and he's not looking to like put it over the fence. He's just looking, you know, maybe to get on base, he's, he, you know, for, from all reports, he's a smart player, um, you know, and he's, you know, they, uh, they were, everybody's talent is, is hit tool uh, as he was coming up. I just, I feel like we haven't seen the Victor Robles that we're going to see in the next, maybe this year and, and next year. Uh, I think there's a good chance that, uh, that he's a different player this year. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, counterpoint, Lariano is also supposed to move up in the order this year. He was hitting in the bottom of the order a lot of the a lot of the time last year as well. Um, yeah, there there were some things with Lariano. His, his plate discipline isn't elite at, by any means. Neither um, none of none of these three guys are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lariano and it, it's funny uh, in Robles, five point seven walk percent to five point six in Robles's favor, so they're right there. And at 25.6K uh, rate and 22.7, that's also in Robles' favor just a little bit. So uh, I get what you guys are saying uh, with these guys. I just, all things being being equal, give me the speed because it's harder to come by. You, you, can, get yeah. the, uh, you can get the power later um, that you're going to get from Loriano. The speed is just tougher to come by. So that's why I would go with Robles. I also right. uh, want one additional point, uh, I, you know, depending on what league you're in, uh, Luis Robert, uh, there's a good chance he's going to come out of the gates just hitting everything. And I don't know <laughs> at what point the uh, the strategy of throwing these, you know, these rookies that they're superstars, throwing them fastballs in April and May and just letting them just club it all over the place. You know, I could see him starting hot. And then once the book is out on him, he'd be a guy that, you know, if you're in a redraft home league or something that you look to sell high on that, that would just be the one thing I would add on Luis Robert and kind of the way I'm thinking with that. All right. Um, let's get into the, let's get into the, uh, the, the far off player debates, the debates between players that are, that are not too close in ADP. The first one we sort of alluded to in and I don't think we're going to talk about what we talked about before because I don't think that's too relevant. But Kyle Tucker versus Dylan Carlson. Uh, I don't have the ADP in front of me. So, Craig, if you do have the ADP, you can you can uh, let us know. But Kyle Tucker, I believe he's going around 120, 130. And then Dylan Carlson, I think he's around almost almost 300. Um, these are two players that are that um, don't have full seasons. Dylan Carlson doesn't have any major league time. Um, but they both are, I guess, fighting in camp for, for roles on the team in the outfield. Hey, let me uh, let me ask you a question about this debate. Just kind of set the rules here. Now, are you talking about straight up, you know, or or is this based on where they're going? So, you know, this is this is um, straight up. 
It's straight up. Um, okay. It's a straight up, and we we can, but we can talk about we can talk about the value of the players. But this is no, this is a straight up debate. Um, okay. I under, I and then I understand that there could be there could be um, I guess three answers. One is yeah, I like the person that's going way after them straight up more. So I would like Carlson more than Tucker straight up. Um, answer two could be I like Carlson's value better, but I still like Kyle Tucker. And answer three would be like I like Kyle Tucker's value and. And 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 mm-hmm. straight up better. So those are, your, I guess, there's three options to how you feel about this debate. Okay. Do you want the uh, ADPs? Sure. So Kyle Tucker, since beginning of February, let me just make sure I'm not giving you bad. Yep. Uh, Kyle Tucker, beginning of February, an average pick of 147. And uh, players going around him are Max Kepler, Fran Mill Reyes, Kyle Schwarber, David Dahl. Uh, and then you've got Dylan Carlson going at 309 uh, around players like Brett Gardner, Ian Happ, uh, Kevin Pillar, and Teoscar Hernandez. All right, so Bogman, what do you think about this debate? I don't want either one of these guys uh, to. You got You got uh, You got to pick one. If I got to pick one, then I'm gonna take Carlson because he's cheaper. I really don't like Tucker where he's going in the middle uh, of uh, actually valuable players. I mean, not David Dahl, but everyone else you listed off there, Craig, uh, is fairly valuable. I'm not a Dahl guy, if you guys can't tell. But uh, the um, I, I think they're, they're probably about equal as far as coming away with a job. I, I think the thing that hampers Tucker, and I'm hoping he changes, because you know when Dusty became the manager of the Astros, everyone went, oh, shit, here we go. He's going to burn out the starters and never play the rookies because that's what he's kind of known to do. So, or the young guys in general. So uh, I think Tucker took a little bit of a hit to a veteran like Josh Reddick when Dusty took over. So I'm a little bit worried about that. Uh, But Carlson isn't a starter either. So my main answer is going to be, I'm not going to have many shares of either one of these guys in my drafts this year, because I think they're with Carlson. It's not about me not wanting him. I think it's more about there being a Carlson truther in every single draft. There's someone that loves that guy and it's just not me. So I know I'm not going to reach to take him. Um, but I, I'm not a Tucker guy either. So if I had to pick one, it's going to be Carlson because he's way cheaper, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not going to own many shares of either one of these guys. Yeah, he, uh, Carlson went at like two thirty in my TGFBI. Um, Matt Thompson took him like way early. Of course. No way. <laughs> prospect Cardinal fan Matt Thompson took the prospect Cardinal. I'm you know shocked. what though? That's counterintuitive because he's kind of a masochist with the Cardinals at least. Oh, you know, I, he's <laughs> it was making me mad last year seeing all the stuff he was saying about Goldie. So, you know, but uh but Matt Matt's a great dude. I met him when he was out here for first pitch. So he went in the eighteenth round in my draft. So I have no idea. I'm not gonna do the math. I'm dumb. So, uh, yeah, late. It's like, yeah, it's late. So, <laughs> um, me, I would take Carlson straight up over Kyle, Kyle Tucker. Yeah. Straight up, straight up. So you think that he's going to have more, uh, at bats or he's going to be better in a, a smaller amount of time. You really don't, you really don't like dusty there. Well, th- like what yeah. is it? I think it's a bit of everything. I think that Dylan Carlson, like I'm buying into his skill set. He's killing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm just sucking the helium in like crazy, like an idiot. Um, and I think that Kyle Tucker, no matter what's going to happen, he's going to, you're always going to be worried for his playing time throughout the whole year. Unless like Josh Reddick, like dies in a hand gliding accident or something like that. Uh, virus. 
Yeah, yeah, coronavirus. Uh, but he, he, I don't know. I don't, I don't think coronavirus would get him. I think he would. I think he's a he's a young, youthful guy in good shape. I think he'd fight it off. Um, but but what I mean is, I think Carlson once once Carlson's up, and I think and I'm, and what I'm banking on is he's up soon. It's his job. They're not gonna they're not gonna have him up to platoon with all these other guys that are like Dexter Fowler or whoever. These it's gonna be his job. So once he's up, I think he's gonna be good. I think. Kyle Tucker probably starts with the team, but you're going to worry about him all season, and he's especially in weekly leagues. Uh, Dylan Carlson's going to be better because I think he's going to get that full um, plate of at bats. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, for me, I, I'm on record saying I think the the Houston Astros are going to be just a, an infirmary uh, this year. Uh, not necessarily because of all the plunking, but. I think any little knock or excuse that they have to go on the IL, uh, if they're not playing well, uh, they're going to take it instead of going out there playing hurt and looking like they cheated. Um, so, you know, I think Kyle Tucker could get uh, quite a bit of playing time. Uh, I don't like where he's going. I think people, I mean, the fact that he's going two picks after Fran Mill Reyes is nuts. Um, you know, he's going ahead of Willie Calhoun. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys after him I don't like, but, um, you know, uh, he's going ahead of Lord is Guriel, but, um, you know, I think straight up, I would still take Tucker. And the reason is the speed potential, um, Carlson, you know, he did run, uh, some in, in double a, I believe, uh, let's see. Yeah. He had, uh, uh, in 2019, he spent time in, uh, both, uh, double A and triple A and uh, he stole a combined 20 bases, but there was no history of that uh, in any of his stops before that. And, you know, players like, like Dylan Carlson, you know, when they show uh, late speed in the minors, I always feel like, you know, they get to the majors and, you know, they're a little more conservative on the base path. Uh, I think uh, Kyle Tucker could potentially uh, put up some, some nice speed numbers. Uh, if he gets full full playing time, so, uh, but with with Bogman, I'm I'm not really drafting either one of these players uh, where they're going. So, right, okay. Next one, we're gonna get to um, Alex Bregman, uh, ADP of 16 uh, in February versus Xander Bogart, Xander Bogart's ADP of 41. These two guys, I'm always uh, I'm a big Xander Bogart's guy this year. Um, I'm I'm always thinking to myself like, what really is the difference between Bogart and Bregman? Like the stolen bases should be about the same. Um, Bregman is a little bit more power. Um, Xander probably a bit more upside in the run scored, although that lineup is not as good. Um, but I I believe Xander Bogarts, and this is maybe just me, has a higher upside in batting average. Um, so Bobby, what are your thoughts? On, what are your thoughts on these two guys? Um, I I think the uh, I, I'm I'm going with Bregman in this one, although I haven't taken Bregman anywhere, but I also haven't taken Bogarts anywhere, so. Uh, this one isn't like a leap off the page. I'm really rah-rah for Bregman. I, I moved him down uh, a decent amount because he doesn't have, uh, you know, speed. And I'm a little afraid of him getting plunked, especially with him being one of the more outspoken guys on the Astros throughout this entire thing. Um, uh, I mean, he's not Carlos Correa, which what the hell is Carlos Correa out there doing talking all that smack? Oh, when my you know, God. This dude got hurt in a, getting a massage last year. So... <laughs> Like, is it really, really smart for you to go out there and talk a bunch of smack? I don't think it's uh, very smart at all. But 
Uh, getting back to the debate, I, I think it's just kind of the pedigree with the power that Bregman has over Bogarts. I mean, Bogarts is known as a dude that is going to hit for average, and um, he always kind of has, although he's been he's been wishy-washy. You know what I mean? He's gone uh, from 240 to 320, down to 294 to 273, back up to 309 this year, and a stop at 288 in between there. So he's been wishy-washy. I don't know if the power is sustainable or if that was more of the ball from last year. I know Welsh has uh, dropped Bregman because of his uh, launch angles always been kind of low, but he's still got the 41 bombs with it. So uh, for these guys straight up, I'm definitely still taking Bregman. Uh, but at their cost, I don't know if I like either one of these guys. I'd kind of prefer to take either one of those higher end shortstops if I can get them like Story or Lindor or Turner or wait for a guy like Simeon a little bit later. Right on. Craig, what do you, what, uh, what, yeah. what's your, what, what's your, uh, what's your um, decision here? I mean, shortstop is like the anti first base, right? You can just wait and wait and wait. And it's just, there's just goodness all the way down the board. Um, but uh, you know, I actually took Bregman in my first uh, draft champions. I took Bregman Springer and um, Jordan Alvarez uh, who fell to me in the fourth and at the time, all this hadn't broken. There was some uh, clamoring about cheating. And my thought was, these guys are going to have a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I w that might backfire. But uh, at the same time, there, you know, there could be, with a guy like Bregman, you know, while he's the kind of arrogant face of this whole thing, um, I, you know, I still think he's pretty safe. Uh, he's one of these you know, kind of smart, uh, compact, you know, quiet swing types that can adapt his swing based on, I, I honestly think that that's the reason uh, a lot of people are making a lot, uh, out a lot about his, his home run distance or, um, you know, uh, things like that. And I just think, you know, this guy can adapt based on what's happening in baseball very quickly. Um, so, I mean, he's just, he's just that good. Uh, but Bogarts to me is like the new Rendon. Uh, he's just not getting the love that he deserves for the consistency that he's now putting up, uh, the lineup he plays in the division, the, the, the stadium. I mean, he's just, uh, he's just a value it seems like every year and every year he seems to, uh, overperform where he's drafted. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's juiced that orange. Like he, I feel like, I feel like I, I agree. He has been, he's been a value and he's outperformed, but this year he's going, he's going at his highest. I, th I think he's going the highest he's ever gone. So I don't know if there's much value, but I do, um, me, I, I, I still take Bregman straight up over, over Bogarts, but I do like the value of Bogarts more than Bregman. Yeah. So, Moving to the next debate, we have um, Jesus Lazardo. His ADP is 116 versus Julio Arias at 156. So 40 spots apart. For myself, um, I think they're pretty comparable in um, the innings that they're going to pitch. I know Luzardo, they're saying that he's not going to have a limit, and Arias has always been that concern. And I think Arias, uh, I think he had around 80 innings last year, so it's going to be. People have a hard time imagining that he's going to throw about 150. But I, one of my bold predictions earlier this year was I think Julio Arias is going to outperform Clayton Kershaw this year. So, um, and I, I, I know we talked a little bit before this, and Bogman's going to just disagree with what I'm saying. But I take Uri, <laughs> Urias straight up over Lazardo this year. Um, obviously, better value. So, Bogman, tell me, I'm, I'm wrong. tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know if you're wrong or not. But here's here's the thing: is 
with Julio Arias being on the Dodgers. Now, look, the skill is there. He, uh, his skill is very, very good. This is a guy, you know, uh, highly touted prospect, great pedigree, all that stuff. I mean, he's uh, got a weird eye and everything that I make fun <laughs> of on the pod. But, uh, you know, that's just what it is. Uh, look, uh, I- I'm afraid of the Dodgers more than I am of Julio Arias because they have, you know, seven, eight guys that could uh, wind up starting uh, for them this season and probably will. Uh, Urias has uh, Uri- is it Urias, Urias or Urias. What are we it's, what are we going I'm with? Pretty sure it's Julio Urias. Urias. I, I think that's the biggest debate of this yeah. whole thing is how to say his goddamn name. But uh, Urias, I feel like um, he has experience in the bullpen. He's still young. The Dodgers like to limit their guys anyway. I mean, they did it with uh, Walker Bueller last season, who had a, a great year. Uh, they've done it with Kershaw because of his back stuff that he's had. And uh, they've got plenty of guys. So if he stacks together three bad starts in a row, I don't think it's uh, crazy for them to either put him in the bullpen for a little bit, skip a start here or there. So, and Welsh and I got into this pretty big on our top 300 pod that we just uh, put up today uh, on Tuesday. And uh, my, my thing is just like, if he was on the Reds, I would be way more confident in him because they're not going to, they're not going to dick with him, but I could easily see the Dodgers doing it. Uh, I mean, I know Lazardo is going to have an innings cap, but they don't really have a hard cap for him either. So I could see him going well past uh, Arias and, in innings as well. So that is why it has nothing to do with the skill. I, I think uh, on skill, these guys are probably pretty damn close to the same, but on the, the certain team is my problem. And that's, that's the Dodgers. Like they always are for me. Cause I'm a diamondbacks fan. So, <laughs> so Craig, who's your, what's your, what's your answer here? So I, I come down the other way and I was kind of looking at, at the bat and ATC and, and some of their projections. And, you know, I was a little baffled why they're projecting Luzardo for more innings. Um, yeah. And they may be thinking along the same lines you are. I, to me, it was more, uh, I was considering, you know, the historical, you know, how much have they thrown, uh, you know, in the last uh, several years, uh, and it's been comparable. Uh, 2017, Luzardo, 42 innings. Uh, Urias, 54. Um, they both got hurt. Um, you know, last year it was uh, 55 innings for Luzardo. And I was actually surprised that uh, Urias only threw 81. Uh, the thing here, though, you know, you mentioned how the Dodgers kind of, uh, you know, play with their pitchers and, um, you know, uh, limit their, their innings. They didn't do that with Bueller. Uh, and to me, uh, Urias is a Bueller talent. They do it with pitchers like uh, Maeda, Ryu, uh, Ross Stripling. Uh, they, they do it with guys who are either not uh, blue chip, you know, top 10 pitching prospects, uh, or they do it with guys that have uh, a tremendous, you know, a long list of, of past injuries, which you know, Urias did have the shoulder issue, but I, I feel beyond that, uh, he hasn't really had he had, hasn't had any elbow issues that that I'm aware of, and I feel like this is the type of pitcher that they would treat the same way that they treated Bueller, and this could be that first Bueller year, uh, and, and then it just comes down to the fact that you're talking 40 picks later, and I think you could throw in a few other pitchers here. Uh, I always kind of lump in Woodruff, Montas, Denelson, Lamette. Uh, Luzardo, 
and uh, Urias. And of all the of those five pitchers, Urias is going uh, far uh, later than than at least Woodruff and and the latest of all those guys. Cool. Okay, the next debate that uh, we want to look at here. This is uh, this might be a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. Maybe it's just my love for Sano this year. But we have Sano um, on the back end of it of this debate <laughs> at one one twenty one, and then way up, going way way before him is Pete Alonso at thirty four. And I guess this debate is assuming the health of Miguel Sano. So I think just um, humor me and uh, assume yeah. that that Miguel Sano gets. Uh, 500 to 550 plate appearances. What do you want to say? 550 in this scenario? Um, because I think, well, I guess you got to, I'm sort of debating with myself already. I guess you got to, <laughs> you got you to, that, that, the, the health is a huge thing with Sano. That's like the biggest thing. So I guess you can't assume health. Let's just, let's just be fair and, um, and say this. I, of course, I, for myself, I'll, I'll take Alonzo, obviously, straight up in a vacuum, like no questions asked. But um, for me, this is more of a, this, this is more of a value. Uh, from a value perspective, because Sano also remember he's going to get first base eligibility, um, and he's going almost ninety picks, which is six rounds after Pete Alonso. So, Bogman, what are your thoughts on this little comparison? I mean, it, I'm I'm actually a bit surprised that Sano isn't a bigger favorite because you know Statcast loves him, uh, high exit velocity, uh, great hard hit percentage, all that good stuff from him. I think the thing between these guys when you're looking at the 30,000 foot view is what Pete Alonso did in his rookie season. We've been wanting to see from Sano since he broke in. I mean, he was in well, what's the did you guys see the movie on Netflix about the Dominican players? Uh, Huegador, I think it is, or uh, mm-hmm. however you say it. But uh, Sano no. has been in he, he's been a giant prospect since before that was even made about him. And that they were falling around when he was 16. Did you see what so, he looked like when he was 16? He looked uh, like a grown ass man. That's why <laughs> they, they did a bone density test on him in that uh, movie because in that documentary, because they didn't believe he was 16. You're going to so. have to give me, you're going to have to give me a boner density test on Sano this year because I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say thick and veiny. Uh, but, oh, man. <laughs> but I mean, for all the love that we have for Sano, we've wanted him to put together a season that Pete Alonso did his first year out. And do I think he's going to hit 50 homers and lead, lead the league again? Probably not. But I think he's a 40 homer guy and we're still waiting on that for Sano. So I actually this is my opposite from a bunch of the ones that we've talked about before. I like both of these guys. And I think they're both pretty fair where they're going. Sano is probably a better deal. Uh, so if we're talking deals, I would lean Sano, but I like Pete Alonso too. So And straight up, I'm definitely taking Alonso because, like I said, he's put together the season we've expected from Sano for the last five years. So it's easy Alonso for me. Now, for myself, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking uh, in the 5 by 5 roto world when I'm doing all these debates. Or is, uh, is that whatever – that's that um, Bogman and yeah. Craig. Is that, is that what you're – that's what you're – thinking too mm-hmm. right okay yep. craig who do you who do you want so i'm down on alonzo this year uh i actually uh you know made profit on him last year in a keeper league and then traded him right before he started uh slumping and he went through a pretty significant slump uh starting in the second half and then he ended strong but you know he ended strong in september and he started hitting again after rosters expanded. So, 
you know, I feel like there's some there's more risk here than his price is uh, is calculating for. Uh, people are, uh, you know, obviously fourth round value is pretty darn good. Uh, but in my TGFBI, I went in the second, middle of the second round. Um, and I just, I think that's way too high. Uh, I think there were some warning signs last year. Uh, and, and as far as Sano, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked that his helium, uh, that there hasn't been more helium with him. I think people are scared off by the lineup spot potentially. But, I mean, are, are they really going to stick him you know, down at the eight slot in that twins. I know it's a good lineup, but man, if he hits anything like, uh, if he hits the ball as hard as he was last year, I mean, that, that twins lineup almost has two top four and top five lineups. It's like you get through the fifth and then it starts over again with, uh, Araz and, um, uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Garver. Then you have Sano and, and Byron Bucks. I mean, it is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's be- a stacked lineup. I love, I love that lineup this year. It's almost like it's almost almost like a softball team. It really is. I think he's going to get his. I mean, you know, uh, Cruz, while he usually is healthy and he is, I mean, he's a marvel at his age and what he's able to do. He usually misses some time and I could see him moving up and hitting cleanup for a while and making up some of those at bats. So uh, I like Sano a lot as well. So I, I don't know if I straight up would be a tough debate, but based on where they're going, it's an easy choice for me. Okay. Next, um, Next, we have um, two players that um, could get you that uh, combination of power and speed. They're going a little bit later, um, and um, one is one of them is fighting for playing time, uh, or has more uncertain playing time than the other. But both um, both of them are c- could could take a backseat to other play. Other players could fill their spots on their the team. suspense. Scott <laughs> Scott Kingery, one fifty eight. And Sam Hilliard, 274. Now, Sam Hilliard, I think why he's going that late is because the the Colorado Rockies fuck with their players. And Scott Kingery can, is sort of the opposite. He can play a lot of different positions so that can get him on the field more. Now, I, I, I like Hilliard. I like the upside. I like where he's going. Um, for me, I don't see why um, Garrett Hampson is going close to where Scott Kingery is going and Sam Hilliard is going all the way after that because I think they do have some similar upsides. I'll get a granted Hill, um, Hampson will get you more stolen bases, which is what's driving the price up on a lot of players this year. So I'll stop rambling on about these guys. Uh, <laughs> Bog, Bog, Bogman, what do you think about um, Kingery and Hilliard? Well, I mean the, the Hampson thing first off is just easily because he won so many people money at the end of the year last year. Right. I mean, that's, that's why, I I don't know if you guys remember the ADP in, uh, you know, like November on NFBC, but I feel like Garrett Hampson was like a third goddamn round pick. Like he was so high (laughs) because people were, uh, he won me money. He's going to start in Colorado. He's such a great pick. And it was almost like they forgot the previous five months before that, where he was a drag on your team and everyone took him as their sleeper the year before. So yeah, he's, going, he's going around the same spot, like maybe a little bit li- like later than he was last year. Right, right, exactly. So, um, but for me, this is kind of an easy Kingry one. Sorry to say, but uh, Kingry, I think, is going to be in the lineup uh, most days for uh, the Phillies, and I think that Sam Hilliard. It, it's just the Rockies outfield situation is just too damn weird, you know. Because Hampson can't get in there. They're still playing Desmond. 
Uh, Tapia is around for what I just wish Tapia would go away. Like he's in there every time I turn on a damn Rockies game, he's in there in in, in a spot <laughs> where I thought someone else was going to start. So, uh, it, uh, you know, they have too many guys for one spot and Hilliard already is a platoon player. Uh, Kingery can play all around uh, all around the outfield and the infield. He can pretty much line up wherever you want him. So I feel like there's going to be a spot for him every single day. Uh, so for me, this one's kind of easy with Kingry, and it's not really close, especially if the Rockies uh, kick the tires on Yasiel Puig again. So right, fingers oh, crossed. I, I really hope that um, the Rockies don't get Puig. That would really kill all my Hilliard shares. Uh, <laughs> but I'm well, worried. About, I'm, 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 I'm worried. I'm worried about who? Um, oh, Hilliard. Yeah, Hilliard's cheap, yeah. so cheap it's not is, too yeah. bad. Yeah, he's, he's actually my 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 most, my most owned player of anyone in all of these drafts. I've just like looked at my player shares, uh, so I'm really hoping Puig doesn't get signed. Um, there's some rumors about him going to the White Sox too, which I don't know where he'd fit in. He'd be splitting time with Mazar. Both of them would be ding there. So I know you just I know you said you took uh, you were you were looking at Puig um, at one of your recent drafts. Uh, I, don't know, I know this is not. I a didn't Puig. get him. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I, I wasn't okay. able to get him, so I took Schwarber instead. That's, I like that. I like that pick. Well, myself, I would put Puig third out of these guys between Kingering, Hilliard, Hilliard, and Puig. I know you wouldn't agree with that because I know you're not as high on Hilliard. But um, actually, question for you, uh, Bob: I mean, Kingery or Puig? Puig. Uh, I, I'm still Puig. Just has so much upside. Like the power is is there. He just needs to get settled in a spot. I mean, I think uh, worst come to worst, just sign a one year minimum deal for. Uh, the Marlins and go play there. You know what I mean? Or a low deal somewhere that is going to let you play a prove it deal and then go get your big money next year. So I think that it's just late in the process. You know, we're three weeks away from opening day and um, I think there's going to be an injury somewhere in Hill sign. So I don't think we're talking off air. You're talking about Japan for him. I think that's way It's way too early. To think Japan for him. I don't. Think well, he just. I. I don't. I. I think his mind's just messed up. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think he thinks straight. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. So you don't go and try I, to fight I, I, the I entire Pirates team with having a, your brain working correctly. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you can probably rule out the t- uh, the Pirates from a team where he's going to land. <laughs> well, they were looking earlier. You never so. know. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't count anything out. That's what I would say. Well, it's sort of like when Batista, um, Jose Batista, was looking for work and he still hasn't found any. Uh, side note: He's just trying to be a pitcher now. I don't know if you I guys saw, saw that. that. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, so but he, they're saying that he couldn't. They're like Baltimore Orioles were completely ruled out from him going there after he was leaving the Jays or after wherever he was going because the, the everyone in Baltimore just hates him because of all the stuff that ha- happened between the Orioles and the Jays. But yeah, so Puig might have burned one bridge at least there. So Craig, what, sorry, Craig, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna gonna um, give my thoughts on this uh, Kingery Hilliard debate. Um, the, uh, I, the to me, this is an easy pick as well. Uh, it's it's Kingery. Uh, I, I actually kind of um, I kind of like the Phillies this year. I feel like as a team, they're a little undervalued. I like that they've you know got a change in management and they seem to be running the organization better. Just you know, comments from guys like Zach Wheeler on why he picked them and and things like that. Uh, on the flip side, I mean, you know, to me, there's like a bunch of situations out there where you're just like, man, I would love to pick players on, you know, 
offensive players on the on the Rays or on the Rockies, and it's just there's so many reasons not to. Um, <laughs> I was I was listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts uh, when it when it gets to this time of year is Effectively Wild does their uh, season, uh, previews for each team. They do two teams, uh, per, per episode. And, uh, you know, they did the Rockies one. They had, uh, uh, the athletics, uh, Nick Grokey, I think, uh, forgive me if I botched his name, but, um, he kind of got, uh, got a little bit into detail on the ownership situation, uh, with the Rockies. And they have this guy, uh, his name's, uh, Dick Monfort and he owns, uh, the Rockies and he, uh, he's a, uh, um, second generation business owner, uh, from like Greeley, Colorado. So, you know, this sub you know, area outside of Denver and just the way he was kind of talking about this owner and the way he runs the team, it just does not instill any confidence that things will ever change. You know, he, he kept mentioning, he's like, uh, I think Meg Rowley, who I love Meg Rowley on that show. Uh, she asked him a question about analytics and she, uh, and he, he basically said, he's like, look, this owner, if you're not, uh, he does it his way, you bring him ideas and it's going to be his way. And he's not going to do things the way other teams do things. So I don't see things changing in Colorado anytime. So to sit there and it's like, uh, you know, Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football, you know, I mean, <laughs> drafting, you know, Hilliard or Garrett Hampson, you're just, you're doing it again to yourself. Uh, you know, there's just there's too many mouths to feed there. You know they're going to sign Puig. It's just that would be such a Rockies move, um, you know, or or some other guy that we didn't even see coming and just, you know, make it even worse than it already is. It's it's just a shame. So, yeah, uh, I don't I don't want to hear that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, uh, Zach I, just I, had I, his I, head I, buried in the sand the whole time you were talking. I, I like I like the value in both of these players. Um, I like I like Kingery. I like Hilliard um, in terms of value. I, I straight up I would take Kingery. Um, I mean, I, let me let me I, ask you guys kind of a, a, an unpopular question that oh you know, no, I, don't, no, I don't hear no. talked about very much. Do you think baseball is viable in Colorado? I mean, you know, are are they ever going to be able to sign? I mean, if you're a pitcher and you're ready to cash in, are you going to go to Colorado? I feel like, uh, and you know, maybe somebody who knows the arbitration process better, but uh, do they look at pitching in Colorado and reward a 4-2 ERA the same they would, you know, a 3-2 ERA somewhere else? Um, you know, do people really want to go out there and just get bludgeoned as pitchers? I, I feel like they either need to build a dome or move the team. I know this is probably an unpopular take, but you know, it just, it seems like an experiment that is not going to get better anytime. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I, I, I think it's going to be fine. I mean, we've seen them throw money at starters before and uh, they don't pan out, but uh, I think what they really need to do, the, the first thing that Colorado needs to do is just develop pitching, develop a lot of pitching too much pitching develop too much of it so you can keep it as the strength of your team because it's harder to sign those guys especially guys that want to get into the hall of fame and who doesn't you know what i mean so if you're a really good starter and colorado is even throwing you a ton of money you say well are they going to put me in the hall if i play the next six to seven years of my career here and my numbers are a little bit higher than where they would have been if I was in Miami or Tampa mm -hmm. Bay or wherever, you know. So I understand 
the point that you're getting, you're driving to. I just think it needs to be an organizational effort to focus on pitching uh, because guys are going to come to play in Colorado because the stadium makes them better. So you kind of already, you don't have to sell it. You already have it. So get as much pitching as you possibly can. I think it's just something. Can you imagine if they actually did utilize technology and, and the minds to, to make sense of it. And they, I mean, they have an environment where they could do these studies like nobody else would be able to, and they would be able to find ideal pitchers for pitching there if they were willing to do it and spend the money on it. It's, uh, it's just such a shame. No, I feel bad for those fans. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to sort of like slide my way out of this answering this question, but um, uh, because I don't really, I don't really, have, I don't really know the answer to that question. If, if um, baseball is viable in Colorado, it's too a little too deep for me right now. Um, it well, ain't I'm Alaska. In, I'm in fine. Charlotte, so I'm I'm doing everything I can to crap on other cities who have a team because I won't near. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay. Well, you, Jason, Jason Collette and I are are, are, are uh, beating the drum on that one. We want a team. Okay. <laughs> I I'm I'm sick of this. I I I can't take any more Sam Hilliard bashing or Colorado bashing. Sam Hilliard for president. Screw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. The la- last one. Um, um, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll build the suspense on this on this one. I'll give the, both of their um. Hold on. Steam- there we go. I got the drum that- going. It's the last yeah, one. It's a drum roll. Is that suspense or is some somebody supposed to be dancing like in a grass? Field I was trying like? trying to pull off suspense. I, I guess I dropped. <laughs> <the ball. laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. So first, first, I'll read you the steamer projection projections. 192 strikeouts, 366 ERA, 122 WHIP. Other guy, 183 strikeouts, so almost less than 10 less. 371 ERA and 126 whip. So the whips 0.04 higher, 0.05 higher ERA, and only nine less strikeouts. So their their steamer projections are really, really close. Um, With the guy going at an ADP of 70, having slightly better projections, and that person being Tyler Glasnow, and the other person going at an ADP of 117 is Denelson Lamette. And he's one of those players along with a lot of the other players on, I guess, the right side of these debates that, that are moving up draft boards. Um, myself, I'll give, you my, I'll give you my personal assessment. I really like both of them. Um, I like Lamette's value slightly more, but I would still take Glasnow in a vacuum. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead. I'm going to say my answer is the same. Uh, I like Lamette's value a little bit more. Um, but I would take glass now straight up. You know, if we're talking straight up there, I'd easily take glass now, but I'm on the opposite end of you where I don't really want either one of these guys. I don't like guys with inning limits really, you know, like I talked about at the top of the pod where, uh, we were talking about, you know, Chris say on the injuries and stuff, you know, when you go in, I play a lot of head to head leagues. So, um, when you go into a season knowing that uh, a guy has a hard limit, and both these guys seem to have a hard limit. They want to probably, I think both of them are being projected for around, you said, 150 innings, right? I didn't, I didn't say, but I'll give, I'll give you the projections. There are 100, did I, I forget if I did, but 144 innings for um, Lamette and 154 for Glasnow. That's what they're projected. Right. So they're both, they're both kind of limited as far as that goes. I mean, you know, Lamette uh, coming off of Tommy John surgery and Glasnow seemingly avoiding it uh, last year. So, uh, I think that um, 
I kind of don't want either one of these guys, but I would go with Glass now uh, in a vacuum lament as far as draft value and draft capital goes. Yeah, I think we we were in agreement. Craig, break the tie. Yeah, I mean, if, I'm, if you can, maybe not. These guys, not. these guys are pretty close. I would agree with that. Um, I think Glass now is going way too high. Uh, I think you know. He hasn't had that full year. He had an injury last year. He's a two-pitch guy. Uh, there's a lot of that. Ray know. might not be a two-pitch yeah. guy anymore. Well, okay, so he's one of these, okay, I'm adding a pitch guy. But, you know, you're there's. I just named three things. So I'm a checkbox guy. When you start <laughs> uh, checking that many boxes and then you're having to take a guy at, what did you say he was? Uh, 71 right now. Um, that's, I mean, he's going ahead of Trevor Bauer, Jose Barrios. He's going ahead of all those guys that we named before Woodruff. I mean, you know, Julio Urias is going what, uh, seven, eight rounds later and, or maybe five, six rounds later. And he's got a lot more pitches to work with than, uh, than glass now does. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to look up his, um, his, uh, projections, Julio Urias and how many innings they project him at. Um, they're projecting him at steamer 127, so a little bit less. But my question to Bogman here is, um, the like I, I, I get the innings limit point, uh, the point on innings limit, but if they throw 150 innings, both these guys are going to strike out like 200 batters. So that's going to get that's going to get you like what you're going to get way more strikeouts and maybe just the same amount of wins as like a guy like Keiko. So, so in Roto, uh, I'm, uh, they're kind of more equal and, and all that stuff. But like I said, I play in a lot of head to head and you just don't know when the shutdown comes in, in a head to head. And in you don't know anything in head to head, you know, you, you could, you could lose to someone that was way worse than you in one week. A hundred percent. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of the thing. I know these guys are on a limit, so the possibility of them being shut down at the end of the year is greater than the guys around them, the guys without an innings limit. So that's kind of, you know, uh, it's just kind of one of those things. Uh, you know, w- when you're looking at the players, what I like to do is really look at floor. I mean, ceiling is great, and, and ceiling is there, and I'll take a couple guys who have high ceilings, but also low, low floors. I, I do it in every draft. I think you don't win without taking those guys. But I think for most picks, you're just trying to build your team and make it the best it, it possibly can be. So I start poking holes in players. You know, if there's some upside guy that I really want, I'll take him and not look back. But if it's kind of a, okay, this is a pick, I got to fill in my spot. I'm going to try to take the best player available for my team. I start poking holes, and that's the hole that you can poke for both these guys. With Lamette, the Padres are probably not making the playoffs this year. So I think they'll probably shut him down at the end of the year, get him ramped up for next year, especially if he has, if he shows any signs of wear at the end of the year. Uh, For the Rays, they're probably making the playoffs. So I think they'll parse that throughout the season, maybe skip him a start here or there, uh, limit his inning, his pitches early in the season, stuff like that. So there's just little boxes to check, like Craig mentioned before, as far as poking holes in guys, and they both have that. So I, I also, they're both great pitchers. I mean, there's I no think doubt there's about risk that, that the, the Tampa Bay is headed in that Dodgeritis direction as well. They're already doing it with the bullpen. They're doing it with uh, their lineup. I mean, I, I feel... They started I, yeah. it last year. Opener. I feel like they've got like a 50 man roster. I mean, every time <laughs> I, I, I look at it, uh, like, how do they have all these guys? 
And if they did, know, they would start them all every single week. Like yeah. if they had 50 guys, everyone would get a start every week. Well, and they've got probably the best system in baseball. So, and, and a lot of pitchers who, you know, Shane McClanahan, uh, he's, you're, we're going to be seeing him probably in the next year or so. Uh, you've got Brendan McKay. You have options where not only they, can they keep uh, Glasnow uh, uh, healthy, um, but when you're talking about a guy who's working on a new pitch, is historically been a two-pitch guy, you kind of want to limit his exposure, maybe especially uh, within the AL East, uh, not have him face the Yankees you know, six times during the season in case you're meeting him to play. You know, so I, I think there there is a lot more risk uh, than people are – are you know giving credit to there with with Glasner? I, I think he's going too high. Yeah. That's about that's a valid point actually. Um, yeah, the, the Rays are a bit of a little uh, they they got especially like their infield as well, and, like um, more so than their pitching. But yeah, you're right. That is a good point. It kind of uh, sucks because the smarter a team is, you know, you, you've we've gotten to the point now where you're like, ah, you know, I'm all about. I love the way this team manages their their players, uh, you know, their strategy. Except now they've gotten so smart that it's working against fantasy in, in just about every way. Uh, you know, it's becoming risky to draft Dodgers, uh, the Rays. Uh, you know, all these smart teams that you trust that that they're going to develop players the right it's way. Not even, it's not even. It's not only teams. Baseball is evolving. You're seeing that stolen bases are evaporating, and 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 saves uh, the saves concentration, uh, concentration of saves are are getting dispersed. Yeah, so, but we, yeah. Can, we can adapt to, to the stolen bases and the home runs. Playing time is the problem. You know, that's that's where, we, you know, something's going to have to change in the fantasy industry if this continues the way we're going. Well, we're that's a bold, it's a bold statement. I think we, maybe we'll have, to, we'll have to park that debate for another time. But that's a, that, <laughs> that, that, I think you're opening up a can of worms here. Now, we went through all the player debates, <laughs> and I did I did skip over one because we, were, we are running a little bit over time. The other one that I had was Corey Kluber at 100 versus Lance Lynn at 121. I see them as very similar players, but again, not. I don't want to get into it too much with you guys, unless you, unless um, you guys really have something to say about them, because they are fairly close. But I think they are comparable. Um, I, this this experiment, I think it was good. I think it was a good way to look at some of these players in terms of um, um, exploiting ADP, finding value, or finding and finding people you want to fade. But um, we didn't find anyone that. Um, that 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 Bogman, you or Craig would say you take the guy going later straight up over the guy going earlier. I did go out and let and say Carlson over Tucker, but Bogman, do you have anyone? Can you think of any of these debates where you would take that, that one that ones that I haven't mentioned where you would take someone that's going well after another player? Uh, not off the top of my head. Like I don't have one where I'm like, well, why is this guy, you know, going over X Y Z? You know, I. I I think that there are some weird value ones uh, in th- this season, of course, but I-, I think that most guys in most rankings, there's a reason behind it. So I don't see any egregious guys too much being uh, taken over the other. Um, you know, I think when Darvish was fairly low to start the offseason, um, I-, I was much higher on Darvish than a lot of other people were, of course, but I think that. Um, you know, for everyone else, it, it kind of makes sense. And all the damn pitchers are getting hurt, so Darvish keeps moving up boards anyway. Fair point. Yeah. All the... Go ahead. Go ahead, Craig. Uh, I think the guy you just said, Lance Lynn, I, I'd take him over Carrasco. I'd take him over Kluber. Uh, those are two pitchers going ahead of him. I'd probably take him over Soroka. 
Oh, so uh, we, the one that I skipped was the one that you would have agreed on. Uh, I actually agree <laughs> on the on the Urias point too. I mean, in a vacuum, I'm taking Urias over Luzardo. So, um, you know, there there were two that you had that I I'm fully bought in on. Which does that make up for the Hilliard sh- fade? <laughs> Not, nothing. Nothing will ever make up for that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree you're with you on those. You washing dishes dishes for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big I, I I own Lance Lynn everywhere this year. Um, I just I, I I there's another team. Texas seems to be they finally gotten their act together, and, and you know they seem to be uh, taking these reclamation projects, and and they're working out. You know, I'm curious to see uh, if they can continue to do that with uh, you know Jordan Lyles, who saw a nice resurgence last year. I feel like he's a good late round pick. Um, you know, Lance Lynn, um, you know, finally healthy and, uh, you know, living off that fastball. I just, you know, to me, he's, he's a good value there. All right. Well, we're going to end it off on this. Uh, Bob, I mean, we've asked a lot of people on the show, um, uh, because we, we focused on the draft and hold leagues of 50 rounders. Uh, do you have any, uh, we call them hibernators, like deep sleepers, uh, that would be like post 400 ADP that you seem to be targeting a lot in, uh, deeper leagues. Um, I, mean, I don't know if you've tra- if you've played any draft and holds, but like any deep, deep league targets that, um, that uh, you're t- that you've got a lot of this year. Um, I mean, I haven't played too many draft and holds just because of you know my stupid state. I'm not allowed to play on NFBC. Uh, so you know, just the way. Yeah, it they gotta fix that. Yeah, I mean that it's the state legislators in Arizona being run by the Native American casinos out here. So uh, they w- if if you're gonna gamble, go to the casino. That's what they want. So uh, it's gonna be and it's always funny watching first pitch. Out here in Arizona, when guys are calling up their wives to change their DFS lineups because, <laughs> you know, they did, they don't have a VPN and all that stuff. So but guys going post 400 and I did the same bit that Craig did where I looked at draft champions drafts from February 1st to right now. And some of the guys that I like, Hirano, I think has a good shot of being a closer. I was in just going to say that. <laughs> See, great minds think alike, of yeah. course. So Hirano's going post 400. Uh, Clint Frazier all of a sudden has a bunch of playing time in New York, right? With it looking like Stanton and Judge are both going to start the year on the IL. Right. Uh, I think Alex Reyes has a shot to be the closer in uh, in St. Louis if Gallegos blows it. And Andrew Miller already has a weird nerve damage in his arm and stuff. So He's done, son. He's done. Uh, I think so, too. So Reyes is a possibility. Jorge Mateo is a nice source of steals late. Should he get the job between him and Barreto? in the offseason, and a couple vets, too, that I like here. Uh, for whatever reason, I can't come off of Drew Smiley. Like, the guy gets 30 uh, starts. He's going to be a stud. He's basically free. Take him in one of the last rounds of your draft. So I, I've been taking Drew Smiley in a couple spots, and uh, Todd Frazier hit 250 with 20 bombs last year, and going to Texas, like Craig just mentioned, another reclamation project. I think no one would bat an eye if he hit 250 with 30 bombs. This year, and you know he's just going really, really late. Um, Cespedes, if he should get some time, maybe a little bit. I mean, I haven't pulled the trigger too many times yet. I think I have him in one draft and hold that I did in uh, December. And then uh, Jason Hayward is just like no, nobody likes Jason Hayward, and I get it. He's boring, <laughs> but he's decent. Like he's a decent outfielder still uh, that is going way, way late. And I don't think I think he's going over 400 now, but if you're looking at ADP uh, from November, I, I think that uh, Draw Dyson, you know, 
starting most days with the Pirates could be a nice source of uh, stolen bases way, way, way late. So have, I like have, Dyson too. I like all guys, the, I like I like all those picks. Those are very um, those are those are picks that not everyone not everyone's been talking about. Like I know. Ben- Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of those guys like Frazier, no one's really talking about. So those are those are the, those are some good um, those are the, some good um, little reminders if you're in the draft and hold leagues. Um, those are some nice little uh, late round targets uh, that can that can really be helpful. Have so, you guys uh, have you guys watched any of the thirty and thirties? I haven't. Uh, they're no, uh, I haven't. you know I haven't watched many of them either, but I happen to uh, you know I've kind of put my kids in front of them and. Just uh, you know, brainwashing them into being baseball obsessed. But we're watching the Mets one, and uh, my wife was sitting there watching it with us. And uh, the big bear in a in a Mets uniform kind of crossed the screen, and my wife goes, "Who the hell was that?" And it was Cespedes. He <laughs> looks like a monster right now. He is huge. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw him. So I, you know, I feel bad for the boar. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that he got into a, a, a fight with, but uh, he, he, he looks good. And uh, I'm actually, uh, I want to get him somewhere just, just in case. He, you he like Cespedes' body, Craig? I, I do. I, you know, yeah. and I like and the way you, the ball you, you, is coming you, you, out of his hand. And, and you, you like, you're talking about Cespedes' body and you're shitting on Hilliard, but you never even talked about Kingery and how good he looks. Hey man, it's all about eighty two. <laughs> Who's not in the best shape of their life in March in baseball? That right? said, I said somebody posted a, uh, a a little video. I think it was a gif of of Giancarlo Stanton first walking into spring training, and he was wearing like these. He looked like he just like like he didn't sleep. He just left a club. You know, he was there till morning, <laughs> and just the way he was coming in and. and Somebody said, you know, posted in a different one and said, is there anybody that's not in the best shape of their life? And I added that gif because he did not look like the Giancarlo Stanton that was an MVP player. He did not look like he had spent the offseason, you know, getting jacked and, and getting into shape and getting healthy and ready to show. He looked like he was just showing up and, yeah, here well, I am. Well, Pizapia has actually been critical. of. He's like, we have these big muscle-bound guys and they're always getting hurt. I don't think it works in baseball because yep. it's just specific muscles that that you use. So that you know, with that logic, it should have been better for goddamn Stanton. And no, <laughs> of course, this asshole is on the IL again because the day he got hurt, I vouched for him vehemently and offered a tattoo bet to the Welsh between who has more games between <laughs> Stanton and Correa. And of course, he never takes me up on those. So thank Christ that he did not do that this time. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah, I definitely did. So, uh, but I still think he could wind up playing more games than Correa. I mean, come on, it's Correa. If they get to a hundred combined, I'll be impressed. So that's actually a good bet. That's an interesting bet. Um, but uh, Bogman, thanks very much for uh, joining us. I know we're uh, we've we've actually gone over the time limit that I asked you for, uh, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. We're actually. Um, I'm actually surprised that we're getting guests like yourself that have been around the industry so long, and I'm learning. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm actually learning from every time that somebody comes on, like some, like even the late round flyers and the players that like I've heard of, but I, 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 I need to put back in the back of my head, right? When I'm when I'm doing these drafts and, and not forget these players, but forget about those players. So um, thanks again, and um, you can find Bogman at Bogman Sports on Twitter, 
And um, you can check out um, in this league the podcast, um, one of the, one of the best podcasts out there. And there's also Patreon for as low as a dollar a month. You can join uh, the, the the in this league army. And all Bobby, anything else that I'm missing? No, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, this was fun. I love this idea of the ADP versus guys. Uh, that it, it was uh, a fantastic idea, and I hope everybody got a little something out of it. So thanks for having me on, boys. Well, it's a, we basically stole the idea from you. <laughs> well, you know, what do they say? They say uh, imitation is the purest form of flattery. So That's right. I, I appreciate it. Okay, we appreciate it, too.